Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the show. Newbie Samson Vaughn in for Kanzano here on the BFT, BFT Radio Network. The guru of all things Pac-12, the co-host of the Kanzano and Wilner podcast, John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. Find him on Twitter, at Wilner Hotline. He joins the show right now. John, uh, there was an earthquake in your part of the uh, part of the country today. How you doing? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, five point one, five point two. So it was a, you know, it was a real, a real shake. And interesting, it happened right in the middle of Pac-12 Women's Basketball Media Day, and I think it was right before, like either USC or UCLA was about to take the stage. So you know, kind of interesting timing. <laughs> uh, could you feel it? Oh yeah, I felt it. I was, uh, I was working in a coffee shop, and uh, my little table started to move and i checked to see if anybody had knocked into it nobody had so kind of figured out it was a quake it's the first one we've had that you've really felt in in a few years here wow we had one up here a couple of weeks ago and it was like you know 4 30 in the morning five in the morning and i was i was awake for some reason and i remember i could feel it and i was like that that's got to be an earthquake i think it only ended up being like three five or something like that but uh and it was you know a couple hundred miles away but you could still feel it in the portland area so i can only assume five one uh that's notable and you could uh, you can feel what that's like uh down in down in the the bay area john but uh how about let's start there with the the women's basketball media days what were some of your big takeaways from that today um well i mean i wasn't there i did watch the uh opening remarks from the commissioner just to see if there was any any news on media rights or expansion realignment that kind of thing doesn't sound like uh, there's anything breaking. Uh, I, I think it's going to end up being a few more weeks, maybe even another six, eight weeks before they get this whole thing resolved. I would imagine before Christmas, you know, there'll be we'll, we'll know one way or the other what's going to happen with this conference. Is it a race between Pac-12 and Big 12 to get their rights done and get them announced? You know, I don't think so. It's kind of being portrayed like that, but. I don't believe that's the case, right? I mean, it's not like ESPN has only got one pot of money, and it's it's available to whichever conference is willing to agree to a deal first, right? That's not how ESPN does their business. They have money allocated for college football. Uh, they knew that these conferences were going to have their contracts expiring. So, you know, it's, it's not a, a zero-sum game necessarily. You know, I, I don't think it matters, and I think that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are pursuing slightly different strategies. You know, the Pac-12 is is uh, basically on the open market, uh, negotiating with uh, anyone who's willing to talk, whereas the Big 12 is basically trying to extend their current deals with ESPN and Fox. You extend your deals, there's some security there, but you also can be potentially giving away some money 
right? That's the thing, you, you know, because there's no competition. So we'll see how it plays out. But I, I don't think it's, uh, you know, first one of the finish line is the winner and the other one's the loser. John Wilner joining us, co-host of the Kanzano and Wilner podcast, also the Wilner Hotline Bay Area News Group syndicated throughout the Pac-12 footprint. Congratulations on surviving John Kanzano for 18 episodes of a podcast, John. Uh, that's that's impressive in and of itself. Uh, the podcast oh, yeah, is no, awesome. We're having, a, we're having a great time. And, you know, we decided to do it before June 30th, well before June 30th, right? Uh, we just thought it'd be fun, uh, interesting for both of us and for – for readers and fans, and then lo and behold, the Pac-12's world changes in the middle of the summer, and there's even more for us to talk about. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and your on-demand audio, Kanzano and Wilner. We also share it on 750thegame.com. The guest list speaks for itself, including George Klyovkov uh, was, was earlier a few weeks ago. You had the uh, SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, on last week. That was a really fun conversation to listen to. Uh, I want to go back to George K. though, with, with this kind of prism, John. Uh, you, you you mentioned the comments that he delivers, but the, seeing that you and Kanzano had a chance to sit down with him on the podcast, and then you got to watch his comments today at uh, at Women's Basketball Media Day, how would you gauge his attitude and his posture with all these media rights negotiations? Do you get the sense that he's confident, that he feels like his conference, albeit without USC and UCLA, is still set up for success? You know, I think he is confident that they're going to get uh, a, a deal done and it's going to be at a, a valuation figure that satisfies the, the 10 remaining schools. You know, he has taken a little bit more of a low-key approach than the Big 12 commissioner in the last few months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's, his, uh, that's his choice. Uh, I would say quietly confident, yeah, now the thing is, you never know, right? I mean, they were quietly confident that USC and UCLA were going to be in the conference, too. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, I think that he's either going to, you know, it, either there's going to be uh, egg on everybody's face and total disaster if this thing blows up, or he's going to look very smart and shrewd and having, re, you know, patch things together. It's going to be one or the other, no, no real in-between. That's interesting. Now, you've written about this before, but... What's Amazon's role in this? Do you, do you think they have a good shot, the best shot at being the primary player in this, or, or what do you think the future of the conference might look like if they end up figuring out something with Amazon? Well, I mean, I think that there's a good chance that uh, Amazon's going to end up as a as a partner of the Pac-12. I don't think it's going to be the only partner, uh, and I don't think it's guaranteed, but I do think that there's a, a pretty reasonable chance that there is some Pac-12 football and basketball on Amazon starting in the fall of 2024. Uh, I think, you know, the fact that Thursday Night Football with the NFL has worked uh, from a production standpoint, from a delivery standpoint, right? There haven't been any tech glitches in that whole thing. It's it's a nice picture. Uh, There's no latency issues. So I think that's given the Pac-12 some confidence that, that, you know, they could get, make the move to streaming and it would work. Uh, exactly how the, a deal would be done, I don't know. Uh, right now, ESPN and Fox basically share Pac-12 football. It could be something like that, where maybe ESPN and Amazon share Pac-12 football. I don't think we're going to be in a situation where all every Pac-12 football game is on ES, on, on Amazon. They're not going to do that. They're going to they're going to retain 
some kind of, uh, you know, distribution package with a traditional player to get more visibility, right, to get on cable, to get on over-the-air television through ABC, all the ESPN networks. So we could see some kind of 50-50 split, something like that. We're talking to John Wilner. This is purely anecdotal on my end, John, but I've been talking to some people as well. It's like it feels like Fox is kind of going out of their way to make sure the biggest Pac-12 games get the juiciest Fox windows. This year, The, the obviously Oregon, UCLA, you had Utah, USC, a 5 o'clock Fox game. You had the Oregon-BYU game be 12.30 Fox. It, am I wrong in suggesting that that might be uh, schematic or strategic on Fox's end to, as part of these negotiations that are dynamic, that are in season, that are ongoing, to you know, as as part of a, a play to the conference to be like, hey, we'll take your best teams, and we'll give them our best windows. Look at this. Here's a 12:30 Fox for you. Here's a five o'clock Fox for you. Here's Benetti and Heward and all these guys. Like, is that? at all accurate in your mind or is that just uh anecdotal uh surmising on my part yeah i'm not sure that there's uh a strategy to it beyond the fact that fox has contracted to show a certain number of games during the season uh even a certain number in prime time and the fact that the pac-12 has got a bunch of ranked teams right i mean if if those teams aren't ranked, then they may not be on a prime time. That's the benefit of having good teams. Uh, and Fox has shown, you know, last year they, they showed a bunch of games in prime time too. So I don't know that there's a strategy behind it other than a reaction to, you know, the, the rankings and, and contractual obligations. Kenny Dillingham has been uh, one of the hot topics in Duckland. Uh do you think he's long for Eugene, or is he imminent to get a head coaching job elsewhere and possibly in the Pac-12 footprint? Uh, you know, his stock is certainly hot. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the fact that Arizona State's looking for a coach, and he's an Arizona State graduate who's from Phoenix, uh, would lead you to believe he's going to be a candidate at, at ASU. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know that the other jobs that are open right now, Wisconsin and Nebraska, those don't necessarily fit for him. Maybe Colorado, but you know that he he could end up getting uh, getting that ASU job for all we know, or he could end up back in Eugene for another couple of years. Right? It's not the it's not exactly the worst place to be if you're an offensive coordinator. You know, running that that offense and being at Oregon, you get plenty of you know it's great for your profile, and you're gonna have all, you know you're gonna work with good players so uh we'll see but i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at asu who makes that call at asu is it still going to be right no it smells weird over i don't there. know we'll see if it, uh, ad ray anderson is on the job uh at the end of the season when when they got to make a hire or if he's on the job but not involved in the hiring process yeah arizona state's a weird place you know they, they do things <laughs> differently there and uh doing things differently has gotten them into the position they're in now and I couldn't begin to guess what's going to happen. All right, before we let you go, uh, who would you say? How many teams are contending for the conference title at that point? At this point in the season, does it go? Is the list four deep in your mind? Is it five deep? How many teams do you think are contenders to reach Vegas and maybe win the conference? Uh, I think it's four. 
you know, Oregon State and Washington State are kind of on the fringe there with two losses, but the problem is the head-to-head situation, right? Oregon State's lost to both Utah uh, and USC. So that means they're actually further behind than that looks. Washington has lost to, uh, to UCLA. So, and they got the Oregon game coming up, of course. So I really think it's those four. Uh, the interesting piece is that USC and Oregon don't play because of just the, you know, the rotation. So uh, we'll see if it ends up in some kind of tiebreaker, either for the top seed or for the second seed. But to, to me, it really feels like a, a four-team race, right? Those teams are, I think, 14-3 and three in league play, and the three losses are to each other. None of them have lost anybody else. Buy or sell, Ducks could be a college football playoff team if they win out. Uh, I would probably wait. <laughs> I, I don't know. Hold. I mean, it's a tough call. There'll be some. I don't. I don't think they are eliminated. Uh, but I do think that if they win out, it's going to depend on who else is sitting there with one loss because that forty-nine-three is not going to be easily forgotten, right? And right. if uh, if that's if they're fighting for that fourth spot with say the SEC runner-up that has played Georgia to a 35-28 game in the SEC championship, that team is going to get in ahead of Oregon. Yeah. Do you think the Ducks could win out? Uh, I think they could. Nobody's done it since yeah. Oregon did it in 2010. Uh, as soon as you start thinking somebody's going to win out, that's when they lose. <laughs> right? They still got Washington, Oregon State, Utah uh, in the conference championship game. And, you know, they. who knows? Cal could give them a good game this weekend. Cal's played them very well for the last three years right those games are all close so kind of we'll see wilcox in particular that's fascinating right given all the the backstory that's been coming out on wilcox and the the job at oregon that goes to landing and now he's his struggles at cal but i think you're right i think uh he always has he has a motivation to compete and, and give the ducks a hard one uh, John, I could go, you know, for another 15, 30 minutes with you, but appreciate your time today. Gonzano and Wilner podcast is out. Brock Heward uh, was the guest, and he was on the call this past weekend, and uh, that's a really good conversation. So find the Gonzano and Wilner podcast wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate your time, John. Uh, stay safe down there. Hopefully there's no other uh, earthquakes in the in the coming weeks or the rest of uh, the rest of the foreseeable future for you down there, but we appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for having me. There he is, John Wilner at Wilner Hotline Bay Area News Group. Uh, I appreciate, you know, his perspective on that. I was trying just to have him, you know, say something declarative, positive about the Ducks. He's objective. You know, he'll re- he'll retain his objectivity. He just goes back and forth on Twitter with uh, Duck fans on both sides of the spectrum. It's it's kind of funny. Some Duck fans think he hates the Ducks. Some Duck fans thinks uh, that uh, that he's right on the money, but. I'm I'm stuck here wondering if this is a 2022 season that we'll look back on and consider it an outlier in the the Dan Landing tenure. And by that I mean we'll look back on it and be like, oh yeah, that was the year we had Kenny Dillingham and Bo Nix. And then 2023, it looks totally different. You know, is this a one and done type of situation with Ken Bo Dillingham with uh with Bo Kenny Nixingham? 
that Duck fans are going to have to, you know, savor right now because who knows if it comes back around next year. Like, if that, if that, is that where we are? Because if so, we got to get used to that fact, like, right now. And because the ceiling of this team totally changes, you know, if, if you realize that, hey, it's just one year of this thing, and who knows if, if Kenny or Bo or both are back next year. So we'll react more to that conversation. We'll play some punch and audio. We'll talk to Bruce Barnum later on as well. Newbie and Sampson in for Gonzano on the BFT. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Gonzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. Peter Sampson, Judah Newby, Stephen Vaughn rolling with you this afternoon. Appreciate you along for the ride. Our thanks to John Wilner for that great conversation just in the previous segment. If you missed that, you can go to 750thegame.com and uh, listen to that podcast very shortly. It is 440 about this time. We like to play a little game called Punch It Audio. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. We start last night in the association. Portland Trail Blazers hosting the Denver Nuggets. It was a tight game. Blazers were down double digits in the second quarter, and then this started to happen. Grant had it jabbed away by Jokic, recovered by David. Oh, ahead to Hart. He'll roll one up and in. Now he'll defend Lillard outside of the snap off the pass to Simons. He'll trigger from the long range. He's going to run. Wings left and right. He'll steady. Give to Simons. Had a notion. Steps back, fires the triple, got it, uh-oh, the fire has been lit. Absolutely, they're going to call technical fouls. So he said that was one way I was able to kind of tamp down that enthusiasm of heart. And Simons is officially on fire. Simons releases, scores another three. Look at Dame, look at Dame hopping, loving every second. We know where the Blazers want to go with this basketball. It wastes no time. Simon's rushing oh, off the screen, drilled it straight away, and got knocked down. And he's not even the one you got to worry about at this moment. Simon's thirsty for it, comes to it. He'll lift off again, and hit another one. Anthony Simon's knocking him down left and right. 22 in the quarter. 22 points in the quarter, 6 of 6 from 3. He did finally miss one after a timeout. Can we just, I know Anthony Simon's nickname is Ant. Can we start calling him Fire Ant when he goes off like this? This was an unbelievable performance, well, fellas. I saw Inferno. Oh, oh, I like that. That's good, too. Inferno good. was going around on Twitter, so uh, I think uh, someone may even have tweeted that, like a, an athlete or something. I like it. Inferno. LeBron was tweeting about it last night. You see yeah, that? Everyone like, was watching that game, yeah. Dude, it was insane. Like, And it was great to see because it was a slow start. And then, you know, and Ant's just like a, how can you not smile when he's rolling? It's like he's such a likable player and a likable guy. That is the one thing, though. It's like, man, is that sustainable? Not that third quarter, but is is Ant just getting hot in a moment's notice? Could that be a thing that 
propels the Blazers to win some of these games. Yeah, I think he's capable of it. Man, he was going through it before that, too. Real bad shooting slump for Anthony Simons in the first few games. But look, he's a guy who shot something like 47% on catch-and-shoot threes last year. He shot 41% the year before that in much more limited time. He's one of the elite catch-and-shoot players, but he's looking to find his own shot more. He's handling the ball a little bit more. And the one thing I've really been impressed with Simons, it's he wasn't really a natural point guard when he came into the league, and he's he's beefed up a little bit. He's not shying away from contact. He's a lot more of a threat on the drive. I mean, the dude the dude won the dunk contest a couple years ago. He only had two dunks all last season. He had two in the first game this year. Uh, so that combined with a sort of being a better facilitator, I think the shooting's always going to be there, but it's the other parts of his game that I'm a lot more excited about. Blazers 4-0 temporarily on top of the Western Conference standings. I'm a believer, sort of, is Dan Patrick. Punch it. Blazers beat the Nuggets 135-110. to The Blazers are now 4-0. They haven't started out 4-0 since 1999 when they won 59 games and went to the Western Conference Finals. Are you on the Blazers bandwagon? No. Oh. No, I can't be. I can't be. Okay. Come well, on, Dan. Yeah, I wonder how many Blazers games he's actually watching, <laughs> to be honest. And that's fair. Because if you're only watching this game from the nat or this team from the national perspective, that thirty thousand foot view when you just go, uh, oh, they lost a game. I bet Dame's unhappy. He should get out. How about he goes to LA or New York? I understand that. And look, that's also not really Dan Patrick's MO, but I have a feeling that he's not watching forty eight minutes of Portland Trailblazers basketball every night that they're on. So I don't blame him yet. I want him to maybe catch a few games. If this is still kind of how they are, and I don't mean undefeated, but they're still playing this style of uh, basketball through 20 games a quarter of the way through the season. you got to be on that bandwagon. That being said, through 20 games, how many times are they going to be on national TV in those 20 games? That's a challenge. I see one game on ESPN, the Memphis game at Moda Center, Wednesday, November 2nd. And then NBA TV a couple of times, yeah. Phoenix and Utah, but then it's not until after after Thanksgiving, November 29th is their first TNT game against the Clippers. So it's going to be one of those things where it's like, hey, they might just be making hay under the radar for a while if you're one of those fans that gets a lot of your, you know, top games on national TV in order to, you know, have an informed opinion on some of these teams. The Blazers aren't going to be on national TV a whole lot. Yeah, if they keep playing well, I wouldn't be surprised if they get flexed into a few of those ESPN games. But what we're talking what? Two? Three more. There's not going to be a ton. Uh, you're absolutely right. And, of course, this isn't necessarily relevant for uh, Blazers fans locally, but that's also just another reason to plug League Pass. They cut their price by 50%. It's 15 bucks a month. You get everything. I'm watching Paolo Boncaro. I'm watching Jaden Ivey. I'm catching all these guys uh, so I can see what's going on with a lot of those teams that maybe aren't on TNT or ESPN. Jalen Rose, he's noticed the Blazers. What did he have to say about their 4-0 start? Punch it. This is all about Dame's return. Thank you. Shout to Jeremy Grant also, but this is literally all about Dame's return and reminding everybody that he's one of the top players in the game, getting to the line, making his field goals, um, scoring 33 points a game. 33 points a game for Dame Dollar. And the Portland Trail Blazers can always draw on the fact that C.J. McCullough was the most improved player when he played with Dame. But other than that, 
when they made those playoff runs, it was because it was Dame time. Yep. And he might not have a tattoo that says him on his hand, but he has a watch on his wrist that proves it. And the way he's knocking down shots and the way he's playing with pace has been great to watch. And the teams that they're beating. Like, this is a good win against what you mentioned is a Denver team that a lot of us feel like should be contending in the West. Yeah, Damian Lillard, without a doubt, is back. I know a few people wavered uh, when they saw that performance against Sacramento. I thought physically he looked all right to me. He certainly looked like rust. He shook that off in a hurry. 41 and 41 again wins Western Conference Player of the Week. He had, I believe, 31 last night against Denver. Damian Lillard firing on all cylinders. But the thing that stands out to me, guys, is late in games, I've seen teams try to trap him. And how many times have we seen them get decimated, especially in the playoffs, by teams doing that in the half court? He had dudes to pass to, and at least so far, they're making uh, something happen with the ball. Yeah, I mean, they're making plays off the ball with Dame, and it's making it so you can't just double-team him, and that makes it easier for Damian Lillard as well. And, you know, to be back, you know, he's shooting 40% from three, hitting four a game. I think that's important because he likes to shoot the deep three, uh, and he seems to be healthy from that core injury, which really affected him last year. Last year, you saw the shooting numbers dip really bad. So, you know, to see Dame back at this level, it's great to see, uh, and Portland needs it. Because he is so good. He's one of those guys that can, you know, it makes the Blazers have such a high floor. Uh, and, and now that they have other players around him, just how good can they be? And they still got to still gotta get chemistry together, but it's looking, forward, uh, looking good so far. That's just what I'm excited about. There's a reason to watch. We're intrigued. It's not, oh, here we go again. Bad preseason, bad team, uh, pass the beer nuts. Let's move to college football. Oregon handled UCLA. That was such an offensive performance. Dan Lanning says they're clicking on all cylinders. Punch it. Man, it's nice. You know, it, it, the, the name of the game is score more points than the other team, and the fact that we're, we're able to do that right now at a high level is definitely a benefit. And like I said, this past weekend, we knew we were playing a good offense in UCLA. Like, they, they score points, right? But the fact that we're scoring touchdowns and they're scoring field goals, that's going to gonna equate to a win at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, at some point, it might not always go like that. Um, but right now, our offense is clicking on all cylinders, and I think that'll continue. Yeah, man, that off. Bo Nix, just a monster performance. Troy Franklin looks fantastic. I'm looking forward to watching him on Sundays, by the way. Just a great performance. UCLA is a nice defense. I know their defensive numbers are skewed a little bit because they played uh, Alabama State and Southern Alabama and held them to low numbers. But look, that UCLA team is a good team. Oregon came out and just straight up handled business. Next eight quarters of football are away from Watson. Now they should be wins, comfortable wins. Cal in Colorado. But I, I want to see it. I want to see them bring the juice. Last time we saw them in a uh, you know Pac-12 road game, they did a really nice job at Arizona, but the one before that at Washington State, they shouldn't have won. You know, Cal's probably somewhere in the middle of Wazoo in Arizona, I think. I mean, I guess they beat Arizona at home a couple of weeks ago, but I want to see them still be on the front foot. That's the one question I still have with this Oregon team. At Autzen, they've gotten up by two scores in a hurry, and the shape of the game goes into their favor. Their defense, even if it's not elite, they don't have to get exposed when they know the other team has to pass the ball to get back into the football game. What happens when they get into 60 minutes of punch you and receive a punch back? 
and maybe you're not winning by three scores at halftime. Maybe you're down by seven late in the third quarter. Obviously, we saw that in Pullman, and they pulled it out of their backside, but like I said, Washington State should have won that football game. Do they ever? If they find themselves in a position like that again, I'm not sure that the odds are in their favor that they can pull one out. Yeah, I mean, can Bo Nix lead a team back from down, like you're saying? You know, I have confidence in the offense, but I don't, I, you know, for how well Bo Nix has played, the offense has still been very, you know, simplified for it, right? It's a lot of short passes. It's not him throwing the ball down the field. Can he necessarily make the big-time plays against the big-time opponents? Uh, remains to be seen, but it is nice to see Oregon bounce back after that terrible loss to start to control their destiny. In the Pac-12 to get to Vegas, I mean, it's somewhere where not a lot of us thought they'd be, and they're there. Well, I will say the deep ball to Franklin was pretty sweet. Teardrop, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're throwing Uh, a lot of behind Dink and dunk. It's not high degree of difficulty stuff that that he's thrown. Like, Gonzalo mentioned it yesterday. The number of completions at or behind the line of scrimmage is, like, 40-something. And, like, you know, then it's, you know, block on the outside, get these guys rolling. Like, it's a... Kenny knows what he's doing. I just hope he sticks around after this year, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, That was a big-time play, though, that throw to Franklin. Speaking of big-time plays, Oregon State against Colorado. Alex Austin with the big play. Punch it. Trout to throw. Fires it. It's intercepted. Down the right sideline. Alex Austin, 15 to the 10 to the 5. Alex Austin in. A pick six. Touchdown, Beavers. 12-19 to play in the third. The Beavers lead it 34-3. to Love the call there. Yeah, Alex Austin with the pick six. This game never in doubt. No surprise. Colorado. Honestly, I wasn't shocked that they uh, had the uh, new coach bump and got that win. Uh, Mike Sanford's first game fell back to earth against Oregon State. What was the t- was it forty one ten was the final on that? I don't have uh, it in front. Forty two nine. Forty two to nine. Oh, I was so close. Oregon State doing everything they needed to do, taking care of business. But a couple big plays there, fellas. Yeah, man. Alex Austin gets conference defensive player of the week, and uh, the bees roll at Reeser, and of course. They will host the Ducks later this year, man. That's going to be such a good game, I think. I uh, know. It's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait for it. All right, we'll go away, come back, finish up hour number two. On the other side, a whole lot of sports talk still to get to. Peter Sampson, Judah Newby, Stephen Vaughn in for John Canzano. This is the BFT on the BFT Radio Network. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.